0: I, um, right now, um. This Ben Jarofsky Show, Benny J bonus
1: interview is brought to you in part by SCIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Reader, and the Chicago Federation of Labor.
0: Benny J, take it away. Bonus 7 of Ben Jurassic Show as I speak. It's Friday, January 8th, 2021. Of course, you can be listening anytime, as I do with all these interviews. I read the headline in today's paper just so you get a sense of what is going on in the world. Let's say you're listening to this 10 years from now. and You want to know what was going on in the world when uh, Ben did this bonus. So here it is. New York Times calls grow to remove Trump as U.S. officials head for exit. Yes, indeed, still the fallout will be, the fallout will be continuing for a long, long time over the insurrection uh, that occurred this Wednesday at the U.S. Capitol, Uh, MAGA hat lovers, fired up by their president, President Donnie, uh, went on a, Donnie told him, I will follow you, I will go with you to the Capitol. And Then of course he chickened out and went back to the White House and watched it all on TV. Uh, So uh, still having the fallout, and I have a feeling We'll be discussing a lot about the politics of this matter with my two distinguished guests and that I do with all uh, bonus shows. I ask my distinguished guests to introduce themselves. So I'm going to ask for distinguished guests whose first initial is Jay to introduce himself first. Go ahead, Jay.
2: Hey, uh, thanks, Ben. Jacob Kaplan here, executive director of the Cook County Democratic Party. And distinguished guest, first initial D. Introduce yourself, <laughs> uh, Dan Pugalski.
1: Um Actually, I have a—I I can use a title I haven't used before, so I'm a senior advisor to Really American Pack. So I'll—I'll I'll use that this time.
0: Wow, I—I yeah. didn't—I've never heard that before. Uh, We'll probably have to take a deep dive into that one in a little while. But before we do, I just remind these uh, all our listeners uh, that Jacob and Dan are better known as the political know-it-alls. Uh, as long as I've had a show uh, on radio or podcast, they've been coming on, talking politics, taking the deep dive. Da- Jacob Kaplan, as I love to say, was, I uh, think, my literally my first No, he's my second guest on my first show. Honored very. that. Yeah, great friend of my show, uh, the great Jacob Kaplan. All right, Jacob, we'll start with you. Uh, Before the show began, I said we're going to talk about the events of the week uh, the White House, the insurrection at the Capitol, and the great news out of Georgia. Let's hold the great news out of Georgia off to the end. So that'll be like the dessert, something nice uh, to talk about uh, what went down in Georgia. Uh, But let's hold that off to the end and talk about uh, this the very serious incidents of um, Wednesday. General thoughts, uh, Jacob, when you saw that uh, unfolding, when you saw MAGA uh,
2: storm the Capitol, what were your uh, general thoughts? I thought it was one of the, the most upsetting and infuriating days in the country's history. and I think it will go down as one of the most, uh, you know, one of the worst events in American history, and that's saying something. Uh, to have the sacred grounds of our capital, you know, that haven't been uh, uh, penetrated since the War of 1812 by the British, to have them not only penetrated but have the these insurrectionists actually gain access to the capital was appalling. To have the capital Police presumably... Uh, from what I saw, not really try to stop them or not really do their job, or even in some cases let them in and tell them where Chuck Schumer's office was, was especially appalling. Uh, So I think there has to be one heck of an investigation into what happened here. We still don't know a lot of the facts, but uh, just a sad day for American history and one that we'll be reckoning with, I think for decades to to come.
0: Dan.
1: shock. And something like this I think was unimaginable for the vast majority of Americans who are alive today. Nobody would have thought that something like this could have happened. And now this shock to the system, there's two ways that we can approach it. We could either realize the position that we're in and turn around or and not to be overly dramatic if if we don't really examine what's going on the horror of of I think for the world, not just here in the United States, but I think when you look at you know our position in countries all over the world this unimaginable moment if we don't address what's going on here, it could be the beginning of American decline of, of just the the beginning of the end. And I'm not trying to be overly dramatic. People talk about these things oftentimes, Oh, it's the end. But uh, in a situation like this, where the United States was the beginning of uh, as imperfect as it's been, right. It's, it's been a process, right. Of bringing back uh, democracy, the principle, As flawed as it's been, of of popular rule, right? Getting rid of kings and and autocrats, and the fact that you'd have something like this happen here um, is just
0: insane. Jacob, uh, Dan mentions uh, what we do going forward. So the obvious point is what to do about Donald Trump. He still has two weeks left or so uh, in, the, in the White House, plenty of opportunity for Donald Trump to cause even more destruction uh, than he's already caused. Uh, Nancy Pelosi uh, made a statement today, Friday, uh, that uh, she was going to, if Donald Trump didn't step down, and if the uh, Vice President Pence uh, did, be, did not begin Twenty Fifth Amendment proceedings to remove him from office. Uh, that she would uh, lead an effort for impeachment. Your thoughts on impeachment from a political standpoint? Pros
2: and cons. Uh, I mean, I'm not. I'm not particularly, honestly, worried about the politics now. I just think it's about the consequences for our democracy. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a must do. Uh, I don't think it matters that there's only a couple weeks left in his presidency. I think it's a matter of, we can't just walk away and say, oh, nothing happened. Uh, And, you know, a lot of things been leading up to this point, I would say, differing a bit from Dan, I'm, I wasn't exactly shocked, to be honest. I mean, it was, it was shocking to see the scenes, but honestly, it's, in some ways surprising that something like this hasn't happened in the last four years, considering the way that the president has been drumming up his supporters uh, on and on, on social media and elsewhere. So I think we have to set a, say there's a line here that you can't cross. And if you do cross it, there's consequences. So people that are saying, oh, we don't have to worry about impeachment. We have to move past this. I disagree. I think that uh, you can't just Gather up a essentially gather up a band of armed insurrectionists and send it and say storm the Capitol and there's no consequences. So if we don't impeach, I mean that says something. I mean that I think things just just get worse from there. This is the first step to uh, to. Figuring out what happened and moving on and trying to to heal our wounds is impeachment in my mind. So I think no matter what happens, whether the Senate is a you know actually votes to remove him or even if he's already gone, the Senate could still vote to to uh, prevent him from holding office again, federal office, which I think would be something that even Republicans who uh, maybe on on the face of it Trump supporters would be in favor of because why would they want this guy to be a candidate for president in twenty twenty four? But regardless of what's going to happen. It's the right thing to do, and the House has the votes, presumably, and they should move forward with impeachment, regardless of what happens.,
1: Dan? will we do what the, will we do what the gravity of the moment really demands? That's what's important. It's not the politics. Will we do what the gravity of the moment demands here right now to keep democracy alive? Mm-hmm.
0: I, I'm with you guys. I've and i I've, I've been all over the map with on this one. As I've, I've had uh, conversations with so many guests since Wednesday, uh, where I realize how uh, MAGA will turn a Trump into a martyr if there's impeachment. And I'm at the point now where like I can't worry about that. Uh, Ramana Hussein was a guest on the show a little earlier today, and she really brought that point home strongly. I just don't think uh, we as a democracy can uh, can really worry about the hurt feelings of MAGA. I think MAGA should be looking at itself in the mirror collectively to see how could they fall for such a freaking con man in the first place uh, instead of us feeling sorry uh, for them. Jacob, do you know anything about... Um, like the the procedures that would take place for an impeachment uh, this quickly. I'm thinking of Rod McLevich impeachment uh, in Illinois. That was relatively rapid. Uh, I want to say that was done within a month or so, if my memory serves me correctly. Uh, is it just a, merely a matter of the House passing uh, the impeachment uh, itself and then sending it to the Senate just could be done in a day?
2: I think it could be. I mean, look, for one thing, the what the uh, Amy Coney Barrett was confirmed in record time to the Supreme Court, the highest court in the land. So, you know, not like things can't be done quickly when uh, when people want it to be done quickly. And I think the allegations here are pretty clear. Everyone saw them. So articles of impeachment have already been drawn up. My understanding is there's some effort to uh, have the articles bypass some of the committee process. They can be brought straight to the floor. And there can be a vote. So I see no issue with this happening in the House in one day. Presumably on Monday, it sounds like, at this point. Dan? I mean,
1: as Jacob said, when you're talking about something that is this serious, something that wasn't just seen, they were participants in it. And I'm sure for the folks that were in D.C. on that day, the staffers, the elected officials, everyone, uh, that is not a trauma that you can quickly undo. And I think the, the greatest testament to that is the raft of resigning uh, that you've had of Republican officials, people that had been stalwart allies of the president because of the legal implications of what happened. I would say undoubtedly when you're talking about Betsy DeVos, Elaine Chao, Mick Mulvaney, right? Um, uh, When you see the fact that the president finally conceded, it is because of the gravity of the legal implications. Uh, You know, Trump is famous for saying, I don't give an inch if I don't have to. The fact that he did a 180, I think is largely because of the legal implications of what happened. In other words, at the end of the day, Donald Trump is a New York developer who does things when he has to. And kind of uh, in this moment where I'm sure there are people that are are looking at sedition charges, uh, they are very aware of what is
0: happening and I think that is the biggest testament to it. All right, let's get into motivations. Um, really, it's, it's always difficult for me to get into the brain of Donald Trump. A little frightening prospect anyway. Uh, I, I'm not, and we can go through all of those uh, people that uh, you rattled off, Dan. Elaine uh, uh, Chao and uh, Betsy DeVos and Mick Mulvaney. I have absolutely no what, what's the word? I have no faith in the integrity of their resignations. I don't know if I have less respect for them than I have for Donald Trump at this moment. Uh, so let me just uh, get ask you this question. I uh, will start with you, Dan, and then go to you, Jacob. Motivation. Uh, just go a little into more detail. What do you think motivated Donald Trump to suddenly concede on Wednesday. He said, we will never concede. I watched, I actually watched the speech. He said, we will never concede. And then what, what's today? Friday. Was it today or I've losing track of the days. He said, Oh, I concede. So (laughs) what is his motivation, Dan, to, to do that? 180. I think the man really only has
1: um, two motivations, which is fear and greed those are the two emotions that he has and you know greed to hold on to everything that he has and in this situation you had where the the fear of what he had done he's an impulsive person um what he did based on his 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 gut right what he worships more than listening to any facts right he he was basically apprised that what he had done uh, and and listened and is at least in some point listening and reacting to what he had done and has now been forced essentially uh, just like these other folks that I had mentioned before to cover their own ass uh, because of the you know waves of litigation which are sure to follow by such an unprecedented act Mm -hmm. and Right at this moment, you have where fear is outweighing greed. The, 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 the fear has, has sobered him up in a sense. And um, I think that's how we've really found ourselves. And uh, Hope Hicks, uh, just to mention uh, some of these other folks who, as I said, all stalwart you know, folks have been part of the administration um, who have a lot to lose if they don't leave right now.
2: Uh, I mean, speaking for Trump himself, if you look at the video that he put out last night, I mean, it was pretty much a hostage video. So I don't think he wanted to (laughs) record that video. I think it was his legal counsel who now uh, White House counsel sounds like he may also leave shortly. Uh, But I think it was the White House counsel and others urging him to record it. And I think it is. I think Dan's right. It's all about legal liability. It's all about trying to shield himself from some of the liability that he may have. And so Conceding, I guess, is is part of that, even though it was a pretty flimsy concession in my in my mind. Uh, And I also think that he's still going to face a ton of legal liability regardless, you know, including from the actions of of Wednesday, but also the Southern District of New York is going to be, you know, (laughs) looking at at him heavily already is. And I think we're going to see some action there very shortly after he leaves office. So I don't you know, I think it's an attempt to try to shield himself from some of that. I don't think it's going to work. I also think the other administration officials that are all of a sudden resigning, it's too little, too late. I mean, with two weeks to go, it's basically you're taking your vacation time for the last two weeks. So I see it. So, uh, I mean, come on. If if you didn't know this guy was at his, you know, they're putting out statements saying I couldn't stand by the Trump after what happened. I mean, none of this was really a surprise, unfortunately, if you know. Who Trump is so and they threw their lot in with him and I don't think in any way them leaving two weeks early absolves them of responsibility
0: oh Jacob I gotta uh, the latest spin from the Trumpsters as they walk out the door uh, and I've uh, I've seen it from several of them is that this is a different Donald Trump than the one who existed <laughs> like something happened to Donald Trump
2: I'm like are you freaking kidding me <laughs> is this is the same old Donnie nothing's yeah. changed It's the same thing. He's the same guy. The same guy from coming down the escalator and and talking about rapists from Mexico and all that. I mean, it's, it's the same person. He hasn't changed one bit. So whoever thought he wasn't capable of what he did on Wednesday, I mean, where have they been living? It's all a charade. They're not telling the truth. Yeah. Uh, Sydney Powell's going to be a little tied up with that, uh, with that
0: lawsuit. Yes. Has put up against her to uh, defend the president. So, yeah, that uh, that that's another story that broke today. Sydney uh, Powell, uh, the lawyer, uh, at one point was uh, Donald Trump's. Is, I I, I can't not even remember if she was officially representing Donald Trump or just representing him on TV. I can't remember. Uh, made up all sorts of cockamamie accusations about Dominion, and uh, they filed suit against her, uh, and they threatened. They said they were going to do it. Uh, and they do, did it. I'm surprised that uh, Giuliani has uh, so far so far evaded um, uh, a lawsuit there, uh, there as well. All right. Uh, you know, one thing I was going to say, I'm
1: surprised that Dr. D, who who's the master of like creating awesome little skits, hasn't like done like a release the crack and. Kind of fit yet. Working I, I, I'm it. actually kind of sad. You know, I was just like waiting for like Doctor D be like release the kraken and <laughs> really funny, like yeah. to have like some kind of Sydney Powell
0: like crazy. Well, you know what? Actually, Sydney Powell. I mean, we're in a tangent here, but I actually, I don't know. There, there were three lawyers who were so bizarre uh, beyond any uh, just. Even any normal Trump stuff, and uh, Sydney uh, Powell, uh, Lynn Wood, and Rudy Giuliani, and Rudy Giuliani is the one to me the more frightening of them all because he's right there in the White House, uh, and he just the fact that he's the former mayor of New York has instant credibility in the minds of all like the major networks, so he gets all this airtime. If this guy skates. Jacob Kaplan. I think that's as
2: outrageous as if Donald Trump, he's been spewing out so much garbage for the last three months. And you know what else, speaking of all these lawyers, I mean, personally speaking, I'm currently in law school, hope to become a lawyer in a couple of years. Uh, And one of the things we learn is about professional responsibility and the idea that you can't just come up with uh, all sorts of allegations that aren't true and file suits that are based on, you know, basically lies. And that's what happened 64 times that these lawyers, uh, you know, filed these these claims based on faulty evidence and stuff that wasn't there. And if they don't face disbarment proceedings and, and professional uh, sanctions, and not just them, honestly, Giuliani and all them, but even people like Senators Ted Cruz and Joss Hawley, who are also lawyers, I mean, they should face professional sanctions as well and ultimately potentially be disbarred. I mean, you can't. Be a member of the legal profession and just come up with this bogus crap and think there's going to be no consequences. That's how I see it. Um, just to further Jacob's point, you know, um,
1: he who is good with a hammer thinks everything's a nail. And I think one of the really interesting things is that you saw where Fox News and and One America News Network they had begun, you know, being used to being able to say outrageous, crazy things on air about elected officials. And you can do that in the United States, right? Uh, In other countries you have where politicians sue each other about the accuracy or veracity of claims. A lot of these other, you know, people are not elected officials. Uh, You're talking, you know, we're talking about dominion systems. And so all of a sudden, you know, these folks are used to just saying like these crazy outrageous things and having no consequences. And all of a sudden it's like, Oh, you can't do that. Right. And um, I don't think that Lou Dobbs was expecting to be giving a a long monologue about why he they have never questioned. They might have had guests who questioned whether the voting was tampered with, but they themselves never meant to say anything. If if you misread it or misheard it, that's on you because they never had any such intention. Um, And this just goes back to liability. Right. It's it's the one thing that. Folks understand, and the, the greed for power has been tampered down
0: by the fear of the consequences of this unprecedented action. Well, let's talk about the political consequences for this uh, action uh, for the Republican Party. Uh, and as you guys know, I'm uh, not a particular fan of the Republican Party. I've, I have have not voted Republican uh, in any office since I believe 1980, before either one of you were born, uh, I voted for uh, Bernard Carey in the uh,
2: State's Attorney's <laughs> race. <laughs> You can and be forgiven for that Ben
0: <laughs> Still proud of that vote By yeah. the way Jacob I'm sorry I know the Cook County Democratic Party Endorsed uh, Richard Daley In that one But I went my own way It was long uh, before
2: my time Yeah I <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: So Still proud of that vote So uh, And I I just think The Republican Party As an institution um, Is Is the one Is Is Revolting uh and so where do they go what when are they gonna pay some consequence consequences let's start with the national work to our of the local level josh holly u.s senator missouri even after the insurrection jacob even after a maga uh rushed into the congress the way they did and egged on by him with his fist in the air earlier in the day he still gets up in the chambers and spews out some BS phony reason for overturning the Pennsylvania election. Just some cockamamie stuff uh, that Senator Casey just totally obliterated in the next step. So what is the consequence going to be for him? Do
2: you think that he'll pay the price uh, at his next election? I sure hope so. And I got I mean, I have a a special place in you know where for for that guy, in my opinion, because not only is I mean, what he did so abhorrent, but he knows better. He's a constitutional law professor. He knows what he's doing. He's he's a smart guy. So I mean, the fact that he's misleading people and leading them into an insurrection, basically, and then continuing to do so after it happens, and not seeing any not 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 retracting any of his actions is just abhorrent in my mind. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he, you know, defeated uh, great Senator Claire McCaskill a couple years ago, and not only that, but sits in the same seat that Harry Truman once uh, was in, in in Missouri. I mean, it's just it's it's so sad for, for that state. So I, I've been on record saying I don't care who's running with a pulse in 2024. against <laughs> If he does run again in 2024, I will be helping that person try to win in Missouri. I don't care that Missouri is a Republican state we have to take this guy out if, if at all possible, because he should not be in the United States Senate or anywhere near the levers of power. And, you know, you're seeing even some of his backers, his fundraising, you know, the people that, his political mentors and his uh, people that have raised money for him have even said it was a mistake in the last day or two. So, and like Dan said earlier, his two hometown newspapers, St. Louis and Kansas city have said he should resign. I mean, he needs to face consequences. I don't know if the Senate can, uh, you know expel him they should try i mean i i I, from my understanding a lot of his republican colleagues don't like him so but he based on his actions does not deserve to be anywhere near the levers of power in this country
0: that's
1: not an idle threat by the way uh young jacob here uh he's actually managed campaigns on the illinois side of st louis here so this isn't just some guy from chicago who's like ah oh, doesn't know anything <laughs> about that politics over there this is a guy who who successfully won and beat back uh a, a major campaign by the republicans and metro east which is the illinois side of the metro, of of uh of that urban area so watch out Whoever you, Josh. that's right yeah jacob from chicago right yep <laughs> uh, all right uh can I, can I say something about that question? Go ahead. Um, you know, it's one thing when you have the executive director of the Cook County Democratic Party, uh, Democratic activists, or, you know, a journalist from Chicago that's expressing their disgust with with the Republican Party right now. It's a different thing when you're talking about a senator who is the daughter of a political institution in the Republican Party in Alaska, who expresses mm-hmm. those same sentiments, uh, you know, Us over here fetching and and talking about like, oh, you know, this is outlandish. um, That's one thing. But when you have someone who is an institution in that party, like uh, Lisa Murkowski, who says that, that should really give people pause. You know, Um, there's a reason why one out of 10 Republicans in Arizona chose to vote for Joe Biden. There's a reason why you've had Mitt Romney, who was the candidate of the Republican Party for president, the official nominee, right? Just a, a short time ago, um, who also has expressed his reservations. And the fact that that whether it's McCain, when you're talking about McCain, Murkowski, uh, Romney, uh, people that had really been central, to the Republican Party, um, who are, are just shocked and, and and also disowned by a fair number of people in their party. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember talking with a with a with a with a friend from Poland who was just like, "Wow, this is shocking! I you know I can't believe." Which to me gave it an additional d- dimension. You know, so um, I, I speak fluent Polish, and and these are people who had you know grown up like in awe of American democracy and seeing something that was akin to a, um, you know, something that you'd see in the post-Soviet sphere, right. Um, just okay. incomprehensible for, for a lot of these folks. And in conversation with them, they're talking about like, Oh, but I think McCain is uh, McCain and Romney uh, are considered rhinos. And it goes to show you how the Republican party has, has shifted. Um, where these people who were the essence of the Republican Party are now considered, you know, we, we don't like you, right? Like Kelly Ward, who uh, had tweeted, I think, from the Arizona Republican Party, we're no longer the party of Flake, McCain, and Reagan. That
0: tells you something. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Jacob, Dan made a, a reference to the senator from Alaska. The story broke uh, during the day while I was on the air. Why don't you uh, tell folks a little about Elisa Murkowski and her statement?
2: Sure. I'll, I'll go ahead. Uh, so she, uh, Lisa Murkowski, just came out a couple hours ago, senator from Alaska, Republican, saying that uh, President Trump needs to resign and uh, he needs to do it now. And she's not sure if she can still be a member of the Republican Party anymore. So, I think there's a good chance that uh, she rescinds her membership of the Republican Party, becomes an independent, and uh, caucuses with the Democrats on some issues, potentially. Uh, She also, they just instituted a new uh, top four uh, system, electoral system in Alaska. So it's actually a good political move for her as well, honestly, Mm. if you look at the numbers that she's received, votes she's received in the past. So it's smart politics, but I think it's also what she believes. So I, I I concur, and let's not forget, you know,
1: a writing candidate with a long alphabet soup Polish last name like she did against Joe Miller, and she beat
0: him. Yeah, you no, know, you know, uh, with Lisa. I, I think dad went up to Alaska to vote in that election. All right,
1: uh,
0: <laughs> that voter fraud. We, and he no. uh, got the name spelled right. Uh, <laughs> All right, uh, in 1974, and I'm gonna sh- show off my age here with these two youngsters. Uh, 1974, uh, 1974 uh, Gerald Ford, uh, Richard Nixon had a step down uh, because of the Watergate crimes. Uh, Gerald Ford uh, became the president and he immediately uh, pardoned Nixon, a sweeping pardon of any possible crime, anyway related to his tenure uh, as president. A lot of people don't even know this happened. Uh, So, (laughs) yes, it happened, ladies and gentlemen. It's the model I think Donald Trump uh, is probably going to follow or is probably thinking of following. Uh, Jacob Kaplan, your thoughts on the the comparisons between Nixon's crimes, Trump's crimes, and will Trump
2: pardon himself? Go. Uh, I think Trump will pardon himself or at least try. Uh, So I think on January 18th or 19th, you're going to see a whole slew of of pardons, right, right prior to him leaving office of everybody, you know, and who knows? He may try to pardon some of the people that were involved in the insurrection a couple days ago. Uh, I mean, I think he's going to try to pardon everybody. Now, the question is, is who's going to help him with these pardons? Is the White House counsel still going to be there? Are they going to be drafted properly? You know, based on the misspellings and a lot of Trump's real tweets, I could see him uh, creating holes <laughs> pardons that you could drive a truck through, potentially. Yeah. And we finally find out what "kafiri" means. Yes, exactly. And and is he really going to have help? I mean, what lawyer is going to want him to put their name on these pardons? Essentially, is what I'm saying. So I think he's going to try. I don't know if he'll succeed. I mean, the there's still questions about whether a president can pardon himself. So I have no doubt that he'll try, but I'm not sure that he's going to succeed at, at doing this. And I I don't think. Call me crazy. I don't think Biden's going to pardon Trump. If no. no, no. like I think we're in a little different situation here. So uh, what do yeah. you think of the difference? Talk about that difference, though. I mean, Ford argued that it was the best interest of the country to move
0: ahead uh, just to put Watergate behind us. And Kevin McCarthy, of all people, the Republican from California, who's the minority leader, leader of the Republican Party in Congress, who's been absolutely abhorrent. In his behavior, and I think Jacob and Danny will agree with me. Just a total MAGA hat wearer, waving the flag, pushing out all kinds of bogus uh, conspiracy theories about the the election. All of a sudden, he's going, "Let's put it behind us." And so, I don't know if that rhetoric will work this time like it did uh, in 1974. Jacob Kaplan, I sure you. hope it doesn't. And I think it's it's just
2: again, we have to set set a there's a red line here that was crossed and you can't just say it's fine. We have to move on. And it is, you have to say, I think, a little different from Nixon and Watergate. I mean, what Nixon did was terrible. You know, the break-ins of democratic headquarters and what he directed and lied about and everything else, it was, it was reprehensible, but he still didn't try to stage an armed insurrection against the government of the United States so I think there are differences here. And he also didn't do what Trump did, of course, with Ukraine, trying to enlist the help of Ford and governments to, uh, you know, to help his election. So as much as I I don't know, at the time, I probably would have disagreed with what Ford did in Nick, with Nixon. Uh, but still, I think there is a this is levels of magnitude worse. And uh, I just don't see any. I, we can't just move on from this before I turn it over to
0: Dan I just want to make a slight correction that I can do because of age yes it's true while he was president as far as I know Richard Nixon never engaged uh, with the leader of a foreign power to uh, intervene in our, our election but in 1968 when he was very much a candidate uh, for president he sabotaged the peace talks in, in, in Paris he had the, something that only I remember but Dan's nodding yeah I know he remembers yeah. and so does Jacob so yeah, yeah he was uh, working behind the scenes to sabotage peace talks because he thought that if there was a, a peace in Vietnam or at the very least a truce, it would help Hubert Humphrey, who he was running against. But your main point is a good one, Dan. Uh, Jacob, Dan, your thoughts? Do you
1: remember Hubert Humphrey? This is where Hubert Humphrey arguably changed the election because when Hubert Humphrey was asked, when the rumors first got out that did Richard Dixon do this, Hubert Humphrey said, I can't imagine... I'm paraphrasing, right, but essentially he let Nixon off the hook because he couldn't imagine that Nixon would actually do something like this. And recently you've had where historians have verified that indeed, sorry, Hubert, um, Richard Nixon did, in fact, do this. Now, of course, we wouldn't be the political know-it-alls if we didn't bring up the fact here that Betty (laughs) Ford is connected to Chicago. As are all the – every other first lady um, is – Either from Chicago or connected to Chicago. So you had Betty Ford.
2: Well, what's her connection to Chicago? I'm sorry. She's like, what's Betty Ford's
0: connection? She was born here. Yeah.
2: Yep. Lakeview Hospital. Man, you guys are such know-it-alls. And and then
1: (laughs) for Betty Ford, Nancy Reagan, HRC, Michelle. So unfortunately. You know, Joe Biden messed up that, that little... Wait, what about Trump's
0: with, wife? With Jill's What's wife? your connection to Chicago? Every other. Every other. Oh, every other. Yeah. Every How every did other. you know that? <laughs> so, yeah, That's a, we that's should, a we cry should, for help, Dan, that you know that.
1: We should uh, give a little plug. Uh, so our dear friend uh, of mine and Jake was Patrick Steffes, who's a writer and editor of Forgotten Chicago. He's actually done a couple of presentations on the ties of presidential history, Um, of
0: Chicago to facts like that. Yep. Wow, so I'm doing the every other, you're right. Wow, it works out. I gotta give him credit. Uh, All right, well there was a a price to be paid in 1974 for Republicans uh, for Nixon's crimes. I'm wondering if we're gonna see the same thing and let's bring it to Illinois. There's been some egregious behavior by Republicans in Illinois on this front. Uh, Mary Miller, the newly elected congresswoman uh, from the far southern district, uh, gave a speech where uh, she favorably quoted Hitler. Hitler is right. Words I thought I would never hear from an American politician. Uh, It took her like three days, Jacob, and I think she finally apologized. Her husband is a state rep. Was at the uh, rally. She still said the
2: words were taken out of context. Mm -hmm. Oh, is that what she? I didn't even.
0: (laughs) She said the words were.
2: Yeah. Yeah, if you read the whole statement, that's what she says. Okay, you know what, I sit corrected. Mm -hmm. Wow.
0: (laughs) So Mm -hmm. are there consequences, or is MAGA just going to elect people who praise Hitler, Jacob Kaplan?
2: I sure hope there are consequences. I mean, I think she should be expelled from the House for what she did, honestly. Uh, Will there be electoral consequences? I hope so. I mean, 2022, midterm elections usually are not good for the party in power, so theoretically— Democrats won't do well in the 2022 midterms if you go by history, but I hope this will be a different story uh, because of what happened, and I think the Republican Party is going to be in disarray for a while. Uh, I think I just saw something where uh, there was just a poll and 25% of Republican voters now say Trump should be impeached over uh, the events that just happened. That's still small, but it's way bigger than it was a few days ago. (laughs) Uh, And I think I saw, I know we're talking local more so, but nationally, Frank Luntz just did a uh, a panel with uh, Republicans, Trump supporters, and nobody could agree on what the uh, plans were, what the party should do next. So I think there's going to be a lot of soul searching for a while. And anytime a party is that, uh, you know, unsure of their path forward, it usually doesn't bode well electorally. So here in Illinois in 2022, if you had asked me a couple weeks ago, I was, I would have said, I think we're going to have issues in 2022. I mean, it's a midterm election and, you know, J.B. Pritzker, the governor's up again, and we we're probably gonna have an open seat for Secretary of State. Uh, Tammy Duckworth is up. We're gonna have a lot of we're gonna have redistricting and all new districts for state legislature and Congress. So I would say the Democrats have a lot of work to do. But based on what just happened and the Republicans falling even more so into disarray nationally, I think that will trickle down to the local level as well. And when you have people like Murray Miller and Mike Bost and some of the other uh, uh, new state legislators, even that are really, really far to the right of where Republicans used to be in this state, I think they're going to have a hard time appealing to a, a lot of Illinois uh, voters in, in many places. So I don't know. Remains to be seen. But I think the Illinois Republican Party is not in a good spot right now.
1: Yeah. So f- for me, like um, my mom's father was in Auschwitz. Her, her, His father died there. So for me, this is like a very, very um, it resonates And, uh, you know, this is one of those things where I'd like to remind folks when there was a Nazi who ran against Dan Lipinski from who was who won the Republican primary. Right. And he was a member of the American Nazi party. This is in rhetoric. He was a member of the American Nazi party. Um, I'd like to remind everyone I I agree with uh, with uh, Ted Cruz here, who said, whatever you do, don't vote for the Nazi. Right. Pretty, pretty simple language here and i'd like to remind folks you know bruce rauner was waffling right on it like oh i don't know right he didn't he he didn't want to alienate folks and what there was a time where something like this was pretty simple to quote the blues brothers i hate illinois nazis Mm. um (laughs) uh you know and
0: uh i I think that just goes he got 25 of the vote the nazi
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I just yeah. want to get that out there in that election against Dan Lipinski. I am no fan of Dan Lipinski, but I would have rushed to the polls to vote for him in that election. Uh, and then that's he got twenty five. I want to say twenty five percent. I think that's right, Jacob, isn't it? Uh, you Pretty know, sure. it's around. You know, there. Yeah. It was um, a shocking amount of vote. The Republican party is a disgrace that they let that guy uh, win their nomination. So. Uh, what you're saying is kind of depressing because it doesn't seem like uh, the Repo- Republican Party is in command of whatever. You know, it's not in command of itself.
2: I mean, who who's the leader of the who's going to be the leader of the Republican Party going forward? I mean, that's the real issue here. Yeah, And it all trickles down from nationally. So there's going to be a faction that wants to continue with Trump, and he'll still be out there, presumably. Uh, whether he's able to run in 2024 or not, or does, he's still going to be presenting himself as one of the options. But, I mean, if you're looking back, who else is there that's a leader of the Republican Party? I mean, you go back to George W. Bush, who had to, was very unpopular at the time that he left. So he's not really a leader of the Republican Party, you could say. I mean, before that, you you know... Everyone's pretty much dead. I mean, Reagan was a leader, but he's that was thirty something years ago now. So, who is going to be the new leader and face of the Republican Party? There's no clear answer right now, and that's why the party's in disarray. One of the reasons.
1: Yeah. Uh, go ahead. I, yeah. A, there's two quotes that that come to mind. One of them, a good friend of of, of mine and Jacobs, uh, Mihal Nymkevich, he had tweeted this out a couple days ago, where he's like. Uh, a quote by john f kennedy and i'm paraphrasing because i don't remember the exact quote but you know how many men in the search for power strove to ride the tiger and end up inside of him and so that's one quote right when you're talking about this where we find ourselves and the other is lindsey graham who said you know if donald trump is the nominee he will destroy the republican party and we will deserve it no he pretty much does
0: he has, and what a phony. What yeah. I watched his performance, gentlemen, on the floor, uh, where he made a big deal about how he was saying that Joe Biden won. And like, dude, you knew it, you knew it the night it happened.
2: Yeah. You knew it
0: the night it happened. And and this gets to the point that Jacob was making about Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz for that matter. They know what they're saying is is just BS. They know it. And they, they state it anyway because they think that's what they have to do to command MAGA's allegiance. And so it's just like dedicating themselves to lies and hate and division. And it's, I, I just can't believe that's where the Republican Party is going to continue to head knowing uh, what we uh, know. All right. Let's close with a little more positive note. Uh, I don't have to worry about the Republican Party. It's not my problem. But I uh, was happy to say the week began, really positive news, and Jacob and I were texting back and forth. We were so excited. Uh, well, Dan, we'll start with you because you had a hand in this. Yeah, The Democrats went down to Georgia and they won an election. Won two elections. I didn't see them coming, folks. I didn't predict this one, Danny. I, I was like, I thought it would be a split. I didn't know who was going to win. I just... I didn't think the Democrats would win them both, but they won them both. Uh, and they, that means they seize control of the Senate. If Lisa Murkowski uh, goes uh, to the Democratic side of things, as Jacob suggesting, it may happen, then they won't even need the tie-breaking vote from Kamala Harris, but they got it anyway. So, uh, Danny, give us a little uh, of your thoughts on what went down on in Georgia. I guess maybe I should start with that. Uh, this Democrat right here went down to Georgia.
1: <laughs> and so, um, uh, you know, obviously, Jacob and I, uh, we're very partial to history, right? That's why we care. It's not just fun conversation to be able to talk about, hey, look, uh, did you know all these first ladies were here? There's um, there's a legacy in history. It's one of the reasons why what happened uh, earlier this week on Wednesday, like really cuts to the quick because of that knowledge of what has happened here really has this grav like this gravity to it. Um, so yeah, I, 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 uh, I had, me and Jacob and I um, are very cognizant of history. And so what I wanted to do was to uh, head down there and to you know was, I don't want to over dramatize it, right? Like I mean, I went out, I went down there to to knock on doors um at the end of the campaign but nonetheless I wanted to be part of history and to be able to say that I actually was um in a in a, in a positive sense very envious of a, a friend of ours of Jacob and mine um Sean Tenner, and Sean uh he went down to help Doug Jones and I was just like man can you imagine having been a part of that that's just awesome and so I get this I get to say that and um I'm really proud of it. I want to also give out a shout out to um, our friend, Justin Horowitz, who uh, was the person who was behind those uh, billboards that were in Georgia, uh, which talked about in, in in his words, right? The official statement of Justin's pack who put up those billboards, which is that the uh, people that are, that are fans of president Trump, as well as Democrats had a, had a joint, interest in making sure that Mitch McConnell would be defeated and not be the Senate president. And that in defeating Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue, and the net result of that was that you did see a depressed turnout uh, in Republican areas. And as Mitt Romney said, wow, what an idea. The fact that if you tell people that elections don't have consequences or that you, that, you, that doesn't matter who you vote for, that people would not come out and vote. And we saw that in Georgia. Uh, Of course, that was not good for for President Trump. Uh, But it is as it is. Mm.
2: Jacob? I think this will go down as one of the most consequential elections in, in U.S. history, even though it was only in Georgia, because now that we have control of the Senate, you know, Biden can get through. His nominations for his cabinet his judicial we can appoint a supreme court justice we can fill lower courts and we can pass a lot of the uh democratic agenda uh at least more than we would have been able to otherwise through budget reconciliation and other means uh and the fact that this was done with two candidates who really were not your typical if you had said 10 years ago that a the african-american pastor of martin luther king's church and a 33-year-old Jewish documentary filmmaker, neither of whom had ever held elected office before, it would be the two new Democratic U.S. senators from Georgia. No, but none of us would have believed it. We'd have thought you're crazy because typically, in, in states like Georgia that were considered red states, you had to run a milk toast, you know, corporate-type Democrat to win. And these two candidates just showed there's a new way to win. Races in states like this, especially in the Sun Belt, in places where I think the Democratic Party really has a future. Uh, you know, certainly the organizing by Stacey Abrams and all of her people that have followed her lead was amazing. But the fact that these two candidates again were just perfect for these spots—they never backed down. They never—they were pretty darn liberal on the issues, and they didn't apologize. They were unapologetically Democrats, uh, and they—they they, they won. They got more votes and in, in percentage-wise than than Biden did in the state. Uh, it's just. It's amazing. It's, it's really, again, a very consequential election, and I hope it bodes well. I think it does bode well for our future in states like Texas in, in a couple of years and other places where I think the Democratic Party really has a future uh, going forward.
0: Well put. Uh, And I just want to uh, close the show by making my regular uh, pitch whenever I hear the word Texas. Democrats, move to Texas. It's all over. You move to Texas, the Democrats will control the three largest states in the union, Texas, California, New York. You'll win the Electoral College. You have two more senators, uh, Democratic senators in the Senate. And then you'll see Republicans sobbing like the little babies they are to change the Electoral College. Okay, they don't they want, to want to get ch- rid of it. They'll yeah, then they want, they don't want to go get go rid of or it. Oh, yeah. this is an outrage. guaranteed. Yeah, guaranteed <laughs> yeah, I guarantee they're such babies. Uh, so, so much fun talking to you two guys, Jacob Kaplan, uh, Dan Pogoschewski. Uh, Dennis, do you want to give a shout-out to young Daniel's uh, wedding business? You usually do that. So you got to start the year right.
1: <laughs> you, threw, you threw me off. You threw me oh, off. Man. I got, like, my windows open and my fans are on. All right. Maybe next so show. I appreciated four weddings this year, and I actually got mentioned in Illinois Politico for officiating um, two, two dear friends of, of, Jacob, uh, of mine and Jacob's um, uh, ben Head and Christina Granfield. So Ben Head is the political director for Jan Schakowsky. Christina Granfield has run a whole bunch of, of uh, progressive campaigns, including um, including Jennifer Gershowitz and, and, and many others um, here and in other places. And so being able to officiate their wedding actually got mentioned, as I met in Illinois Politico, among the other. And then three, uh, three other months So even covid
0: All right, very good, man. The guys, uh, a second industry, a second uh career for young Daniel doing weddings. All right, I want to thank Jacob and Dan, outstanding job as they always do. The next time you guys come on the show, we'll probably uh, talk more Illinois politics. Illinois politics still exists, ladies and gentlemen. Democrats got to figure out what to do with Mad Dog, that's something they got to deal with. Uh, and uh. Uh, but there'll be plenty to talk about uh, with, uh, you know, the implications of the fair tax getting rejected. But I just felt it was really important today, considering that there was an attempted what, coup uh, on Wednesday that we discuss uh, national politics with uh, the know-it-alls, always friends of the show. Jacob and Dan, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it.
2: Thanks for having us. All right.
0: That's Jacob. That's Dan. on am Take care, everybody.